0: Hello and welcome. This is the Bariatric Eating Real Talk podcast, and I'm Susie Shaw. If you're new to our podcast, Bariatric Eating is more than just talk. We support nearly a million post-ops in our Facebook-based support groups, which you can join if you like after you listen. I'll tell you where you can find us at the end. We've created the most successful plan for bariatric regain on the planet. There's not a doctor's program or hospital plan or anyone who has addressed regain and the regain crisis with anywhere near our success rate. Thousands of people have used our inspired Diet, along with our help and our support, to take their lives back even when it seemed like things were hopeless. Those who help you in our groups are post-ops. We've had regain, so we know how it feels. But we've also lost that regain, and we can help you find your way back into the smaller clothes that are in your closet. We have specific tools for you. We will help you set goals, create food lists. We have meals for you to eat. And we even have our own products. So we go beyond just ideas to help you in real time with real tools. Our support is made up of people who are just like me. And collectively, we've spent the past 20 years helping post-ops lose regain and learn to change their habits so that the weight stays off for good. And I'm Whether we want to admit it or not, during our journey through life after weight loss surgery, something bad is going to happen. And if not bad, something stressful. Maybe not directly to you, but something in the world is going to cause some sort of emotional response. And honestly, if you've had weight loss surgery, it's more than- In our Facebook groups for the last couple decades, we've seen firsthand the incredible number of people who have gained during a stressful time. Hey, I'm one of them. Um, I had an abusive marriage. Uh, We moved away from family and friends. That's just part of my Regain story. It's a big one. But I know that I'm not alone in that. Everything from a sick parent, divorce, issues with children, relationship issues, all of those things can impact our thoughts and our feelings. World events can also do so. And frankly, you've had, you'd have to be living under a rock right now to not have had some sort of stress since January 1st. This has been a really rough six months for a lot of people. Our last few episodes talked at length about how our habits play into our success and they can make us or break us in the journey. But today I want to speak directly about emotional eating. And I want to break it down... Um, into something important about emotional eating because it's something a lot of us are prone to do. But when we do it over and over and over again, it can undo our progress. Also, it's a really common excuse a lot of people have for falling off plan or for regaining. And now, a minute ago, I just went over a couple life events that are very well known for triggering emotional eating. But there's another side to emotional eating that I want to touch on too, and that's the happy side. There's a tendency for most of us to celebrate with foods. Think about special occasions that have happened in your life. You get a promotion at work. How do you celebrate? Maybe dinner and drinks with coworkers or your family? How many of you wouldn't consider it a wedding reception without cake and punch? Have you ever been to a birthday party where there wasn't something to eat? And there's nothing wrong with any of that. That's where our habits come into play and where we need to recognize that the event is the purpose. The celebration itself is the fun. That's the reward. It's not the cake on the table or the bowl of chips. That's just sort of the icing. And the pun is is intended on that one. But one-off events like birthday parties or even a wedding shouldn't derail your progress. It's one meal, one moment, one hour sometimes. And on our website, we have tons of party recipes, cocktail recipes, we even got cakes and cheesecakes, all kinds of things so you can celebrate with where you won't have to reintroduce foods that you've worked hard to get out of your life. We all know how hard it is to break up with sugar. Don't let the holidays backtrack your progress with that because you want to eat a cookie. We also have articles with tips on what to do to handle those events and specifically food pushers. But I want to keep in mind that sometimes it's not as easy as planning for a meal or a party. What happens when you and your family take that first vacation after a few years of struggling with money? Do you celebrate by tossing all of your goals out the window and heading for the buffet for dinner and then you make a second trip for dessert and just one more taste of that one thing that was so good while you're on your long anticipated vacation? There's often a huge drive within ourselves to reward ourselves with food and often it happens before we actually realize it's happening. So let's dig a little bit deeper and talk about emotional eating as a cycle. I also want to add here, too, that it's, it's also known as stress eating. So I may use that term interchangeably. But either way, that's what it is. It's a cycle. And it starts with something that upsets you or something that excites you. You feel an overwhelming urge to eat. And when people talk about this urge, it's almost as if it's like a compulsion. You can't resist it. You're simply driven to replacing the stress by focusing on food. Now, it's a little bit different when the the, uh, event is happy or the stress comes from kind of a good thing. Like, think of celebration foods, like cakes and parties and stuff like that. But it's hard to walk into a birthday party and not want to join in when they cut the cake. We feel that same compulsion to participate and to take part in the community, what the community around us is doing. So when people tell their stories of where they fell off track in our support groups after after it's happened they say things like I had to have some cake or I told myself I'd get back on track the next day but now it's three days later and I haven't gotten back on track yet and it's almost as if the rest of the day after the party after the event wasn't an opportunity to get back on track just to treat it as a one-off event we use these events as an excuse because we don't know how to cope with that emotional response we have and it does trigger a cycle now, the next stage in that cycle after we're triggered to eat is um, we give in for good emotions, bad emotions, for stress, for whatever. We, we give in and eat more than we know we should. The food tastes great and you're having a good time, or you're forgetting what you're worried about. But the stage here is where you eat beyond hunger because hunger wasn't even the pic- in the picture. You're eating to fill a void, And it wasn't one in your stomach, so there's nothing really to stop you other than your own choices, of course. But no matter what, once that eating is over, that's when that next stage hits us. And this is true whether eating as a result of a negative or positive event. Maybe it doesn't happen immediately, but it does happen pretty quick usually for most of us. And you know what I'm already going to say it is, right? It's that guilt. You feel guilt, and you feel like you were just powerless, to either the celebration. I mean, you deserved it, right? It looked so good. Everybody else was having some. Or you feel guilt because you felt powerless to the urge to stress eat. Or you suddenly realize that you ate so much on your vacation that your your pants wouldn't button on that last day. And then you start beating yourself up. You wish you had more motivation, more discipline, more control. You wonder why so many others have willpower and why you don't. Why is it so hard for you? The thing is, emotional hunger that comes from stress and even from happiness, it can't be filled with food. When we eat in the moment, it's because something other than hunger caused you to think about eating, and you followed through on that instinct without thinking twice. But when the eating is over, the situation, the emotions, the problem, it's all still there. And now you've put a layer of guilt on top of it. That's not cool. We've all been there. So how do you combat that? You have to understand the difference between emotional hunger and actual hunger. And really, this is something we're faced with initially after surgery anyways. We've all had cravings. Those cravings, we've talked about them in other episodes, they come from our brains, not from our stomachs. So let's break it down a little bit piece by piece. Emotional hunger, again, whether it's from good emotions or bad emotions, it comes up quick. But physical hunger that's gradual. It comes on slowly and usually doesn't overpower you or your thoughts. I know for me, emotional hunger hits with a really specific call out for food. And I know from our support groups, it's like that for most people. Typically, this is that same sort of instinct many um, talk about as being head hunger or um, even our little term fat brain. In our Facebook groups, we talk about cravings a lot. And cravings are usually emotional or habitual. But they aren't ever vague, are they? Think about it. You crave salty. You crave sweet. You crave that crunch. You crave creamy textures. And to drive that thought home a little bit, when was the last time you were craving a sweet, crunchy apple? Probably never. But you crave Doritos, right? You crave cheese. You feel like something ooey and gooey, or maybe something salty that crunches like popcorn when you're watching TV. And while you may want something specific when you're physically hungry, we'll often eat anything if we're really hungry and it's in front of us. That's where that old tidbit of diet advice goes that we've all heard. If you're honestly hungry, you'll eat cold green beans out of a can. Because if you're ready for a snack and actually hungry, plain strawberries in a dish will fit the bill perfectly, and they won't need Cool Whip and mini dark chocolate chips on top. And oddly, if you think about it, despite knowing that we're hungry, we can usually take the time to prepare a reasonable plan or a reasonable on-plan meal, not go off the rails while standing in front of the fridge. Because physical hunger is much more subtle. It's reasonable. And you can do things like tell yourself that you have food at home and you don't need to stop for a snack because you're only 10 minutes away from the house anyways. You can manage physical hunger before you go crazy. Emotional hunger, though, it's mindless. You ever get bad news and kind of start pacing the kitchen? You wander. When you were munching away as you contemplated what to do next, how many crackers did you eat before you realized there were only two left in the sleeve that you just opened? How many of them did you taste? How many of them did you enjoy eating? How did those crackers make you feel? Good? Bad? Did they make you feel anything And that's what I mean about mindless eating. You aren't eating because you're hungry and want the food. You're eating because you want to eat. Honestly, though, we've all been there. And and honestly, I've been there too since surgery recently. This is a really hard thing to overcome. It sucks. But that's mindless eating. It's emotional eating. It's stress eating. You're compelled to eat. You eat but don't really taste the food. You don't look at it. You don't even realize you've eaten at all because you aren't eating to solve hunger. You're eating to solve a problem, to fix a feeling. Physical hunger is very different from that. You eat, but you realize when you've had enough, you move on. How many times have you sat down and eaten half of a roasted turkey because you were so hungry you couldn't stop? It doesn't happen. Sure, some days we eat more than other days. We're not machines. But if we're honest about hunger and have a handle on things like understanding our fullness and stop signals, Most of us won't mindlessly eat five pounds of roasted turkey. Now, fat brain compelling you to eat a second serving of turkey, that's not great, but that's another situation and another podcast. But my point is that physical hunger is solved with food. You feel full, satisfied. You don't want to eat more. When we eat because of emotional hunger, we don't realize we're full because getting full wasn't why we started eating. Earlier we touched on some of the events that could trigger emotional hunger, but I want to break it down even further because it's really important to understand how complex this can be for a lot of us. And these aren't in any specific order, but I'll start with stress. And I know we don't need to say more than that. We all have stress. We all have sudden stress. But I want to touch on the fact that it's not always traumatic. That stress can be from when your 11-year-old comes to you at 8.25 on a Thursday night and mentions that they need a poster board and some markers to finish a project they had to turn in Friday at 9 a.m. What's interesting about stress, though, is that our body's natural response to stress is to release specific hormones to help us stay safe. This is something that developed as we evolved millions of years ago, but often that hormone triggers cravings for foods that could give your body a much-needed boost of energy, not because you need the food, but those years of evolution taught us to react to the unknown by raising our awareness. It taught us to become more alert, so it calls out for a little bit of fuel to prepare for that, and this is why specifically a lot of us tend to crave junk foods that are healthy, because we've built in a little bit of knowledge and habitual um, reactions I guess you could say from our previous relationship with food that we get a bit of an energy boost when we have some sugar or maybe the carbs that we know we shouldn't be eating because that's just how carbs and sugar work in our bodies they give you a little bit of a boost now I don't want you to think that's um, that this is all a cop-out it's not. It's not an excuse that lets you stress eat or emotionally eat because it's how we evolved a million years ago, and our bodies haven't caught on yet that we don't need to run for our lives every time we get bad news. It's just a fact, and I'm sharing that fact because it's a mean to explain why our minds and bodies tend to react the way that they do. It's not just random. It's something that happens. It's also a fact, though, that we've... Re- evolved beyond this instinct and can absolutely handle stress and bad news without acting another factor that is that we can tend to ignore our emotions eating is a great distraction isn't it you can put off anything because your fingers are busy and your mind is focused on whatever's in your mouth many of us eat to try to numb the stress the emotion or the anger, or the hurt, or the grieving that we actually probably need to do. We try to do that with food. Think about after a funeral and the dishes of food that show up at someone's house. It's a way to avoid the hard work when we don't don't know what to say and we don't know what we want people to say to us. But that hard work is what we need to do to become well-balanced emotionally. A big one everybody faces is boredom. We've all been there. There's nothing great on TV. It's too early to go to bed. We're on a long road trip. Our flight home is delayed. Often we eat to fill time. And while this isn't usually as disastrous as eating from stress or other emotions, it does strengthen habits that we may have worked hard to start breaking. And typically boredom eating usually goes hand in hand with mindless eating, and once again because you're not eating to, eat, f- to fill your hunger. You're eating to kill time with food, so you're not paying attention to the food. Another thing people don't really consider with emotional and stress eating is our past. Think about your childhood and your early adult years. Did you get rewarded for not crying when you got a shot at the doctor's with some candy? Did you go out for pizza when you got a great report card? Did your parents work and was it up to you to get your own snack or maybe even make dinner when you got home from school? Do you have happy memories of sitting in a baseball game with your grandpa and now you can't fathom watching a baseball game without a couple of hot dogs? Did you ever get through a breakup while eating ice cream and talking to your friends? These things often carry over into our adult lives and then we often put them into practice with our own children and our spouses and our our families. But my point here is that while we often don't, carry sad and emotional food-based traditions with us throughout life nostalgia is a lot of the reason why some people eat when they're feeling happy or sad we cherish memories we cherish recipes not because of the food but because of our memory of what happened around that food event so with nostalgia in mind comes socializing and here I'm talking about getting together for holidays, parties, celebrations, weddings, even a happy hour with coworkers. Whatever you do that's that's there to relieve stress, to celebrate, relax or all of those things in one. But if I'm being honest, for people like us who've had weight loss surgery, it's a real double-edged sword. We often overindulge not out of hunger, but because Aunt Edna's banana pudding is so good, or because those l- wings look fantastic and everyone else is eating that, them. How many times have you gone out to dinner and looked at the menu and ordered not what you wanted to eat, but what you knew would be the biggest, the most food? Things like that. So I think that's a really good starting point that makes you consider your own lives and any possible um, situations where, that you may have encountered a drive to eat. You probably have specific things in, in life that have happened specifically to you, but you get it, right? There's a ton of complexity to emotional eating or stress eating or reward eating or whatever you want to call it. But we do have some things that you can do about it. And I know you know this is coming because I say it a lot, but it's true you are going to have to do some hard work. Actually, all of the hard work is going to come from you. And I'm going to be honest with you, as depressing as it may be to hear, it's not something that you can fix quickly. And again, from my personal experience, it may not go away completely. And sadly, it's something you're probably going to have to actively work on for a long time. And your situations and your responses may change over to the time. They may get better. And it may come back in a totally different way, depending on the situation. And that's why, you know, we speak a lot, especially in the last couple episodes, and on our website and in our Facebook groups, about habits. And those habits, those tips and tricks that we've been giving you all along, those are something that you can rely on when you are totally challenged emotionally. If you put them into daily practice, they will become your habits, If you make the choice to acknowledge what's happening and honestly work to fix it, instead of just using it as an excuse, you can start to fix this. So I have some real tips that you can start working today to help you through this. These are things you can layer onto the work that you're already hopefully doing. The first is to keep track. Now, we all love tracking our weight and our food and all that fun stuff. So if you're already doing that, this shouldn't be too much more work. But you're going to keep kind of a short diary. And really, diary isn't the right word for it because you don't have to write an essay or even a sentence. Bullet points here work. But just keep track of your emotional eating. When you're feeling tempted to emotionally eat, just take a moment to write down what happened. The best way of breaking that cycle is getting a better understanding of what the cycle actually is and how you're responding to it. But you're going to have to be honest with yourself about it when it happens, and write it down. And once you start doing that, you'll actually be able to identify a pattern. That pattern could be something innocent. Like when you go to a certain friend's house, you always have too many snacks and way too much dessert because you're having a good time and you're not thinking about the food or the calories. Or maybe it's when you go, um, when you're under a regular deadline at work and you swing by the vending machine for peanuts to munch on while you finish that big report that you have to do monthly but really makes you kind of nervous every time you do it. Tracking what drove you to eat and adding why you ate it and any feelings that you can associate with that that instance that situation can really help you spot a pattern and those patterns are eye-opening when I was regating I also had a, a new baby and my um at the time my lap band had completely failed and I didn't have a surgical tool to help me with portions and adding on to that I had this life situation where my husband was underemployed so he wasn't making as much money as we needed he was working um, like 14 hour shifts overnight I mean, I was so stressed, I was working a lot of hours, I had a baby in daycare, um, I had a baby, and I was you know worried about bills and money all the time. But every day, I literally counted the minutes until my daughter went down for the night every single day. And the second I closed that nursery door, I immediately started thinking about what to eat. And it took me years to break that. In fact, every now and then I still get that urge when she goes to bed, "I want to eat. It's really hard to break that cycle. But it took me actually writing it down because I couldn't figure out why I was going over my calories so, on such a regular basis because I didn't even realize I was doing it. That's how p- powerful emotional eating can be. We don't even realize what we're doing. We just react. So trust me, keeping track of our emotional eating is powerful enough to wake us up and help us make a more educated choice when it does happen the second part, because action is what helps us actually change, and that's not a new concept if you've been following along so far, um, we have to find other ways to feed our feelings. Find other ways to celebrate and reward ourselves. We have to find a way to manage our emotions in ways that don't require eating. Otherwise, any habit that we break won't stay broken. A lot of people forget that after surgery we have that honeymoon phase. And we've talked about this before in other episodes. That's That short time that we have after surgery where we have the gift of time to let us tackle the habits and the things like emotional eating so that when we, when we get to goal, we don't have to diet for the rest of our lives. We don't have to regain either because we've got solid foundation of habits and coping mechanisms and tools. We have to find ways to feed our emotions other than eating. So here are some ideas. If you're feeling depressed, call someone. Even if it's just a text message or, or, you know, waving at your neighbor, reach out and just say hi. You don't have to admit that you're reaching out because you're struggling. Just remember, it's more of a distraction for you so that you can focus on brightening your mood without food. Think about it for a hot second right now. I bet there's someone in your life that you need to catch up with. We all have that person, but we never really seem to call them, do we? Reaching out to reconnect can be a huge impact to our mental health and may brighten our moods longer than for just that moment. It might help you in the long run. If you're feeling anxious or nervous, consider that you may need to burn off some energy. Sort of like how we send out a hyper kid into the yard to play. Go get a workout in. And remember, you don't need at a gym to exercise. You don't have to spend hours doing it. Just we even have, like, quick workouts that you can do from your house with, like, no equipment on our website. But take the dog for a walk. Put some music on and dance. Um, you know, just, just burn off some of that energy. If you're feeling drained, have a cup of herbal tea and maybe think about hitting the sack a little bit early for a change. Take a hot bath to recharge. Get a blanket and just relax on your couch for a few minutes. But I want to urge you to resist watching TV or looking at your phone. We sort of glaze over and forget to relax when we do those things. Just sit, close your eyes, and rest. If you're bored, go read a good book. Go find a new book. Go explore that park you drive by on the way to work every day. Take up a hobby or a craft, clean out your attic. Um, Go through your closet, get rid of some of those clothes you don't want to wear anymore. But basically, get busy. There's lots to do around the house. And... You know, when the cravings do hit, and they will, take a moment. And I mean literally, take 60 seconds to check in with yourself. We've talked about this in the previous episodes. And, and while support and, and having a buddy and all that fun stuff is great for accountability, we're the ones that motivate ourselves. We're the ones in charge. We make the choice. We can do the hard things. And that's true. A lot of us don't know what to do when these cravings hit. And that's okay. That's what this work is for. And that's especially true for emotional and stress eating. We feel powerless to these cravings. It consumes us. Overpowers our reasoning. When you get that craving, the hunger that comes from your head and your feelings, pick up your phone and set a timer for one minute. Trust that you are strong enough to get through one minute. I want you to tell yourself that when the timer goes off, you can have something to eat if you want it. Tell yourself to wait. You're not telling yourself, no, just wait. And then while you wait, check in with yourself. Take some deep breaths. Calm. Really ask yourself how you feel. Ask yourself how the food's going to change the situation. How you'll feel tomorrow if you eat food that you know you don't need. Think about what will change if you do not eat the food. And yeah, I know that seems silly to say out loud, but putting those specific words together will help you focus on your feelings and the situation. You're going to face them and your craving at the same time. And it's going to help you identify what's happening. Now, when that timer goes off, and if you actually do still have the desire to eat, eat something. But take the time to sit down. Don't eat in front of the fridge or the pantry. Make a plate of food. Don't eat out of boxes and packages. Respect yourself. Honor yourself by taking the moment to sit down with your food so you can focus on eating without mindlessly eating it. Savor the food. Taste it chew it, slow down. Take a deep breath in between bites and calm yourself. Don't just gobble because you got bad news. If you're going to eat, make sure you realize that you're eating. Make sure you realize what you're eating. And this may seem counterproductive to everything I've said so far, but understand that the real issue is that you are eating out of emotions. And that mindless eating that happens when we eat out of emotions, that's the problem. We tend to use our emotions as an excuse to overeat because we're not paying attention to the food. We stop listening to our bodies and eat beyond the point of fullness. But if you take the time and do this, not only will you actually probably enjoy the food a little bit more, you probably won't eat as much. You may find yourself even able to avoid that guilt cycle because you slow down and you are actually in control of what you are doing. And I know this is a lot to do. The time thing threw me the first time I tried it too, and it seemed kind of silly and ridiculous. But you have to remember that this isn't a race, and you aren't going to be able to fix this overnight. And that's okay. We're not after perfection. We're not looking for immediate change. We're after experiencing the mental and physical aspects of this journey in a way that teaches us something. Because honestly, if we don't learn along the way, we're not going to change long-term. It's going to take time. The next action point, and this is a hard one for a lot of people, that you have to learn to accept your feelings, even the negative ones, the bad ones, the ones that make you want to cry. Those are your feelings. And while they aren't fun, they don't need to be pushed away. You're just creating a bigger problem by not addressing that you feel these things. Feeding yourself to forget stress isn't a healthy coping mechanism. It's not even a band-aid You have to learn how to rein in your stress and your feelings so you can respond to it maturely and without people like Little Debbie or Ben and Jerry at your side. This is why being mindful of both the desire to eat emotionally and the action of eating when we're feeling these emotions is so important. We have to stay connected to our emotional experience, good or bad. This is where maybe you should also consider a little bit of counseling. If stress eating is something that you find yourself falling victim to on a regular basis, get some help. Get to the root of your emotions. And it's not always something we can do on our own. And speaking, again, from personal experience, the opinion of a neutral third party can be so enlightening. I've relied heavily on counseling throughout my rocky post-op journey for things related to my relationship with food and things not related to food. And while it's been really messy... The progress I've made by just leaning on somebody with a little bit of insight into how the mind works has made a massive impact on my quality of life. And now I want to add one more thing, sort of a reminder that may not occur to everybody. Our mental health is important to how our mood impacts us. And our mental health is directly related to our actual There are a few things that you can do on a day-to-day basis that can really help you handle these curveballs that will come your way. And the one I know no one wants to hear, but it's exercise. You don't have to write a fi- run a 5K every morning or swim hundreds of miles. You don't even have to spend hours in the gym over the course of a week. But a regular brisk walk around the block every day where you kind of lose your breath a little bit and are actually kind of breaking a sweat, that's going to help you reduce stress. And it's going to help you boost energy levels throughout the day. Sleep. We've talked about this before. Sleeping is huge It's a big part of our health. Our body needs to rest and reset and recharge. So start making bedtime a priority. Not only will your mood be more stable, but your appetite will actually become easier to manage throughout the day too. Make some time to relax. Give back to yourself and take the time. And I'm not talking about long, hot baths where you shut out the world, but sipping on a cup of coffee on your back porch for 15 minutes before the kids wake up could be the key you need to not yell when someone spills their juice at breakfast. Take some time for you every day, even if it's five minutes. Make it a priority. Work it in every day. If you have to sit in the car and listen to your favorite song, that's your you time. But don't let this be something you don't have time for because we've all learned the hard way that no one will do this for you. You deserve to relax too. Connect with others. Even if it's not socializing at parties. Don't underestimate the power of a quick phone call when you're wa- um a quick phone call to somebody while you're walking at lunch or a simple hello. If you're feeling lonely, find a way to get out of the house. This especially applies to you if you're off work right now or you're retired, get out there. Volunteer if you're so inclined, but don't underestimate how important personal connections are to our mental health. Even if you aren't outgoing, just being outside and around people can help you feel less alone. And I know this has been a heavier topic than you may have been expecting today, but emotional and stress eating can trip up even the most meticulous on-plan post-op. It really can come out of nowhere and truly throw us for a loop. So it's a huge part of our journey to overall weight management and a balanced life. You have to learn how to address it, and we know you can do it. You deserve to not feel powerless to food. You can do this. So with that, I'm going to close here. And as always, thank you so much for listening. I want to urge you to take my words to heart. Come join us on Facebook. We'll hold your hand and help you through this. We can also always be found on our website, and that's at wwwbariatric Once you're there, do a keyword search for podcasts. And you'll find all of our episodes listed with actual show notes for each one. And in the show notes for today's episodes, I'm going to link to our Facebook support group so you can find us and join us, Um, a couple party recipes and special occasion desserts that you can use when you're celebrating so that you don't have to turn to foods that you've worked hard to give up. I'm going to link an article about how to deal with social pressure when we're eating or at, at events. Um... I'm also going to link the natural sleep aid that I take. It's formulated specifically for bariatric people so it doesn't leave you all like weird and groggy feeling. We also have a really great article I'm going to put a link for that describes hunger and portion sizes. Um, I'm also going to link our episode that covers hunger and portion sizes. And then finally, I'm going to put up one of our exercise videos that you can do at home with zero equipment. And I want to remind you too, we're not just talk. Over the past 20 years, we've helped more post-ops thrive after surgery and keep the weight off. And we want to help you too. So please come check out our website. There's a ton of info that you need right now. And don't forget to review and subscribe to our podcast so you're always updated as soon as episodes are available. And please, if you enjoyed today's episodes, pass it on to someone you may think may also find it helpful. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks.